Well, Thanksgiving is over, and it's time for Christmas. In fact, it looked like, from what I could see, about 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving, 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving, the focus shifted to Christmas. I just drove past a couple Targets, etc., and it was like, holy mackerel. Christmas shopping is here in full force. It gives us this year, I don't know if you very traditional folks are being stretched by the fact there's five white candles over here on the Advent candle. Um, there should, of course, only be four. But this year we have five Sundays between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I'm the one who said, hey, an extra Sunday to talk about Christmas, let's do it. And so we're stretching it into five Sundays and had to add the purple candle on the side for Christmas Eve. I do that because it's not just a tradition, this thing called Christmas. It's not just that, well, it's this time in the year we got to do it. I think it's too important to skip over. Um, in my way of thinking, we're talking about one of the three most important days in human history. I would put number one as the day of creation. When Almighty God said, let's make men and women in our image. Let's create humanity. Pretty significant day in human history. The beginning. But the second one, I think, would be what we're getting ready to celebrate and what we'll be talking about for these five Sundays. And that is that God himself would say, I'm going to come to earth and take on the form of a human and I'm going to do so not just because I thought I should check it out. I'm going to do so to save humanity. And that is such an important day. It's worthy of five Sundays to talk about and think about and understand. Not only for what it tells us about ourselves as humans. And not only what it tells us about human history. And where it's come from and where it's going. But for what it tells us about God. This God that we believe in, this God that we say is our God, but he obviously is very different from us and very far away in some ways. But it's in Christmas we can learn so much about him. And the third important day in human history, just to finish my list, would of course be when this same God who comes to earth as Emmanuel goes to the cross and dies for us and gives his life. And that Easter morning when death is defeated. And so we want to talk about Christmas. And this year we want to use a little different filter or a lens to look at it. I want to ask you a question. What type of board game do you like? And the reason I'm asking that, there's two what I would call two different kinds of board games. There's one that would be very orderly and very structured. I have a cribbage board here as one example. There's other board games. But they have very clear rules and there's a very clear progression. And based on the numbers that you accumulate, you move through this very straight path. Or, well, relatively straight path. And um, depending on your personality, we, we like that order and that predictability. And then, <clears throat> of course, there are those other kind of games that are really built around the unexpected. One example would be Candyland where that path is going all over. 
And even when you think you're on the path and you have it all covered, of course, at that point, some unexpected things might happen and you could get sent back or you could be held in place and lose your turn. And it's very unpredictability is a part of the fiber of the game. Now, my question for you would be not only which game do you prefer, the orderly structured one like cribbage or the somewhat unexpected one like Candyland, but even more, which type of game would you say describes your life? I think the honest answer we probably all would say is we would like our life to look like the cribbage board. We would like it to be nice and structured and predictable. And as long as we do our job, go to work, save money, are a good person, tell the truth, etc., etc., we're going to get to move right along that path and everything is going to turn out just like we expected. The problem is that only lasts for about three days, doesn't it? And then, like it or not, whether we would prefer an orderly structured life, our life quickly becomes much more like Candyland, doesn't it? And twists come, and we get a card that's like, oh, I don't want that card because now i got to go back, or I'm stuck here. And our lives have so much of that unexpectedness about them. It struck me that that's how Christmas was, too. And that's why I concocted with my wife's huge amounts of help what I'm calling Christmas Land, a board game about Christmas. You walked over the playing board as you came in. Because it's not just our lives that look like that. Christmas did too. And I want us to see that this year because I think we've heard the Christmas story, most of us, for so many years. We see it as this very predictable path. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. We got it all down. But I think if you were there that first Christmas, if you were Mary or Joseph or a shepherd or a lot of those other characters, you would have said, this is out of control. I don't know what's going on and I have no clue what's about to happen next. And that's how Christmas was when it happened. And I want to look at it that way this year and see that sort of unpredictableness of Christmas because I think there's some lessons about God that we need to hear in that unpredictableness, but also some lessons that for our lives. Wow, if it was that way for them, maybe then I shouldn't be surprised if it's that way for me. And I hope we can learn not only some lessons about God, but some lessons about our own lives. Because our own lives and Christmas are indeed a winding journey. Christmas has all kinds of twists and turns, but not just the Christmas story. The Christmas story fits into a larger story that really looked like that board game. God's people, the nation of Israel. It went all over, and I just want to capture that for just a second. It started with just one man man named Abraham. He wasn't living anywhere close to what we call Israel today. And God comes to him and says, follow me. I want to turn you into a whole nation. And I'm sure Abraham said, what? 
a nation, me, it's just me and my wife, and we don't even have kids. And that's how God began it. And then that nation that comes from Abraham, that nation called Israel, took all kinds of twists and turns. God saved them by sending them to Egypt in a very privileged status. One of their own, Joseph, was prime minister of the whole nation of Egypt. And he gives Israel the prime um, land to live in, and they are very comfortable. And yet within a few hundred years, they are terribly suffering as slaves in that same land. But it doesn't end there. God frees them from that slavery, crosses the Red Sea. But then they doubt God's, and so they spend 40 years wandering around the desert because they doubted. They didn't believe in God. But then after that, God leads them forward, crosses the Jordan River, tears down the walls of Jericho and all of modern Israel and way beyond. Parts of Lebanon, parts of Syria, parts of Jordan, God gives it to all, all to them. And they're a great nation, powerful, David, Solomon. But then again, they worship idols. And, and God punishes them again. They're unfaithful. And this journey, this twisting journey continues. And God sends a prophet named Isaiah to them. And he has both bad news and good news. His bad news is that you're going to suffer as a nation. You have been unfaithful to God repeatedly, and he is even now raising up a mighty superpower to come and devastate this place. You're going to suffer for being unfaithful to God. But, he says, there will be a twist in this story as well. Because God will not forget you. God will raise you up. Two verses from Isaiah. First of all, in chapter 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah promises you are going to go into a time of slavery and suffering. It will be a time of deep darkness. But do not give up hope because there will come a day in that deep darkness when a light will break forth and drive away the darkness. Earlier in chapter 7, Isaiah said, oh, In heaven, these will always work. Well, in 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. A miracle. A miracle would happen, and God would come and live with us. And Isaiah promises that, but Isaiah never saw that. Israel was destroyed, carried into captivity, until the story takes another twist. Hundreds of years have gone by. Nothing has happened. It seems like God is silent. Israel, at this point, is helpless. If you're playing Christmas Land, you never want to get this card if you're very far along because it's going to send you way back. And that's what Israel had. They had been sent way back. They were enslaved by Rome. Rome was the mightiest nation on earth. They had no hope of getting free. They asked God 
for a miracle. They asked God for a light to shine in the darkness. Their prayer was about politics and military power. But God says, you know what? I am going to come. And two women have impossible babies. And that's the first thing we know that's going on. A lady named Elizabeth, who was very old and way past childbearing age, suddenly is pregnant. And then another young girl who doesn't have a husband or a boyfriend, she's pregnant too. And miracles start happening. And the game takes all kinds of twists and turns. Because there's always also these cards in the game, and you want one of these. Because if you get one of these, you jump way ahead, and you're that far from winning. And so hope you get a card like that. And that's when God comes in. And God moves, and Elizabeth's having a baby who becomes John the Baptist. And Mary's having a baby who becomes Jesus, Emmanuel. But the whole story of Christmas has all kinds of twists and turns, not just two women who get pregnant. God chooses his main characters who have no experience. No one knows them. There's nothing to qualify them for their roles in God's story and what he's doing, but God picks them. He knows they have what it takes. And God doesn't work through anyone who's famous or wealthy or powerful. Everything about this story of how God comes to earth is unexpected. Part of what I want you to think about is what that teaches us about God. I think so often we look for God to work in expected ways. Usually it's what we want Him to do. Or what we would expect Him to do. And we pray for that. And we create this box and we say, God, please work in here. But what we see in the whole nation of Israel and what we see in the Christmas story is that God says, I don't like boxes. I think God says, they limit me. Don't put me in a box. And when you least expect it and in ways you can't imagine, watch me show up. And Elizabeth's having a baby. And Mary's having a baby. And I'm just getting started with what's going to happen here. So open your eyes because I may be working behind you, beside you, far away, right beside you in unexpected ways. I'm God. My ways are not your ways. My ways are better, higher than your ways. That's also from Isaiah. So what does your life look like this Christmas season? Does it look more like Candyland than it does cribbage? Probably for most of us sitting here, we would say it does. Lots of unexpected turns. Lots of things we would not have chosen. I would imagine every one of us has something, at least one, if not many in our lives, that we would say, didn't see that coming. Had I had an option, I would have said, no thank you, God. No thank you, life. But those unexpected times come. We don't like them. But there's a lesson for us here, and that is that 
what we want, I think, what I want, I would suspect what most of us want is I want some secret, Jim, and you preach it so I can turn my life into this. Okay, and if I just come to church often enough or pray enough or give enough in the offering, if I do something, please make my life look like this. I can't preach that sermon. If I did, it would be a lie. Because I don't believe in this broken world with us imperfect people, I don't believe that secret exists. Where we can put order and the expected into the unexpectedness of our lives. My recommendation to you, my lesson that I'd like us to draw from Christmas for today, is that the issue isn't changing our life so it's orderly. We can't. But what we can do is realize there is a God who is overseeing this game. I think I put it in the notes, God is greater than the game. And that's what we see in Christmas. The unexpected is going to happen. And all kinds of imperfect people are in the story. And they always have been in the story since Abraham and before. But God is greater than all those events. And God is working and God moves in unexpected ways. I'm sure Israel would have said, we haven't heard anything for 400 years. God, are you up there? And suddenly he shows up beyond their greatest dreams when they least expected it. And that's a lesson for us as our lives take twists and turns. It's not to fix our lives and straighten them out. We can't. But we can put our hand in the hand of the God who does know. The God who does care. That's the good news of Christmas. That God is in control. He is greater than the twists and turns of our lives. He won't save us from those twists and turns, but I love that promise of the 23rd Psalm. When you walk through the darkest valley, I will be with you. I will walk through that dark valley with you, and my rod and my staff will comfort you because I will be there with you through those twists and turns. I want us to look at something else Isaiah wrote as a promise. As he's warning Israel of the twists and turns that are going to come in their lives, he also offers them a promise. He offers them hope. Starting with verse 5, This is what God the Lord says, The Creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will hold your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. That's what God is coming to do. That's what he came to do in Christmas. When Christ came to earth 
And there's times our lives sound like that final sentence, aren't they? We end up walking in darkness. We feel like we're blind. We feel like we're in a prison and we don't know how to get out. But you see, that's what Christmas is all about. God seeing us and our lives and our struggles and God saying, let me come down and shine my light into your lives and bring you deliverance and salvation and all that you're seeking in life. I will come to give you in a baby born in a manger. And that's why Christmas is so very important for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for noticing our need, the need of humanity, and for being willing to leave your heaven and come to earth as a baby to save us, to see us sitting in darkness and to shine your light into our lives. Father, in this Christmas season, as we struggle with our lives and circumstances and situations, may we see in the baby Jesus the hope you want to offer us if we will but take your hand. For you are a God who wants to hold our hand. Isaiah promised that. Thank you. In your son's name, amen.